just indulge me for a second. I know this might get weird, but I want us to do something as we begin. I just want us to breathe. I want us to wait. I know that some of us mentally are already in the office tomorrow today. I want you to wait. Some of you are already at 325 wondering how the Titans are going to blow this week. I want you to wait. Some of you are worried about a phone call that you're going to get this week that you've been waiting on since last week because you went to the doctor for a test, and this week you're expecting that phone call. And I want you to just wait. Some of you are mentally, emotionally drained from a relationship that you know is not healthy, that there doesn't seem to be a light at the end of the tunnel. And that's all you can think about. It's what consumes your every moment. And I want you to put it aside and just wait. Just close your eyes for a second, and, and I don't know what it is that will immediately pop into your mind, but there's probably something that's either a distraction, it, it's, it's a moment of distress, it's a moment of discomfort, maybe it's a moment of enjoyment and excitement, of recreation that you can't get uh, enough of and you can't wait to get to. And I want to just ask you this morning, just breathe in, breathe out, and just wait. Just wait. It's nice, isn't it? To just slow down and experience a moment of stillness, of calmness, where we can just, in the moment, wait. See, we've created environments where we don't wait very well. Waiting for us means... We've lost some element of control. Waiting for us brings about a certain amount of anxiety. Waiting for us is a waste of time. Why wait? And so we've created these environments where we don't wait very often and we don't wait very well. But I believe that there are moments where waiting is necessary and mandatory. Father, this morning as we dive into your word and as we finish up this series, I pray that you sharpen our abilities to wait. And I know that sounds odd to pray for the ability to wait. But God, there's effective ways to wait and there are destructive ways to wait. There are worrisome ways to wait and God, there are beneficial ways to wait. God, we have been going after this series full throttle about jumping into moments and conquering things that we need courage and, and, and just taking these great leaps of faith and, 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 and conquering our fears. But God, I know some of us in this moment are still in this moment where you're going, I don't know what to do with all of this. And, 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 and God, can we just enjoy the wait? So, Father, I pray this morning that, again, you teach us from your word the importance, the benefit of waiting on you. We pray this through your son's name. Amen. We've been in this series called Jump, and there are times where God is just going to scream at you, yes, yes. 
You've been praying about something, and for sometimes it's immediate, it's sudden, it comes fast and furious, and it is crystal clear that that's exactly what God wants you to step into, and you, in a blink of an eye, you jump into it, you never look back, and things just click, and you never question God's involvement in it, you never question God's calling you into it, you just go, man, this felt right, I knew it was right, God screamed yes, and it has been a yes, it continues to be a yes, and you can continue to click in such a way that it was obvious it was a yes. And there are moments like that when, when we consider our jumps in life, these leaps of faith where it's going to be a loud yes. Then there are moments that are loud no's. You've been kind of working through something. You've been praying, God, is this what you want me to do? And it seems as quickly as the thought or the door opened, it slammed shut, and God says no. And just like the yeses that you experience, it is crystal clear that God did not want me, does not want me, did not want me to ever pursue that because you look back and go, man, that would have been awful. And there's a peace that comes with that. There is, there's this peace of mind that says, man, when I, when I finally tuned in to what God was maybe trying to nudge and say me through his spirit, you know what? I don't question it. I don't look back and say, what if? It was an obvious no. And so just like the yes, there are moments that God will scream to us, no, and you'll be glad that you avoided it and that God closed it down by saying no. Then there are a lot of these moments. There are these moments where God says, Wait. Just wait. And for whatever reason, maybe for the moment, you're just not quite ready. You think you are, but God sees things from a different plane. He sees things from a different view, and he says, you're not ready, so I'm going to need you to wait. Maybe there's something that you need to experience first before you get to the moment that you're going to jump right into or that you want to jump right into. And so before you get to that moment where you're just free falling off the cliff, he says, no, I need you to wait because there's some things that I need you to experience first. And the things that you experience first, the things that you experience while waiting is actually going to shape. It's going to positively affect the moment that you jump. There may be moments where the experience that you are waiting, that moment that you're experiencing these experiences are going to serve as prep for those moments. Maybe in a moment of waiting, it serves as a season where God needs to condition us in some way. Maybe in the moment before we cliff dive and we're standing waiting waiting for a clear answer, waiting for something to, to give us the right indication that what I'm about to jump into is right. Maybe there's some maturing that needs to happen. Maybe there's some growing that needs to take place in some areas before I get to the jump. Maybe there's some changes that need to happen in my life, in my relationships, in my world, in my priorities. Maybe there's just some changing of myself from the inside out that needs to take place. And so here I am, waiting. Maybe there's some equipping. Maybe there's something that I lack. Maybe there's a, a skill. Maybe there's some communication. Maybe there's something in my life that needs better equipped. And so here I stand waiting. Maybe, and we don't like to think about this one, but we all experience it. Maybe there's a storm. Maybe in the waiting there's a moment of struggle coming. 
And so this moment of pain, this moment of distress, this moment of struggle leaves you feeling like it's never going to end and you just seem to be waiting. Or maybe it's just simply not the right time. And so we wait. Here's what I know. I don't know your stories necessarily individually. I don't know what it is that you deal with on a daily basis. I don't know where you come from. I don't know exactly where you're going, but I know this. I know that we're all waiting on something. And that's why I, with full confidence the morning, this morning could tell you just to close your eyes, put your feet on the floor, because I knew there's something that would, you would identify that you're not waiting on, that you're trying to rush, but it's out there. It's waiting on you this afternoon. It's waiting on you tomorrow. It's waiting on you next week. We are all waiting on something. And for whatever reason, waiting is not something we do well. And if we're not careful, I'm afraid that what happens in this moment of waiting, if we don't handle it well, if we don't somehow look to go through this season properly, we rush things. And when we rush things, we miss out on something. Or by not waiting effectively, We step into something that might even be good, but we miss out on something that could have been greater. I remember several years ago, I was on vacation with my family, and uh, it was my mom and dad and my sister, and, and she has two boys, and at the time, they were five and seven. And what you need to know is that my mom and dad are deathly afraid of water. They don't know how to swim. They never learned how to swim. They love to go to the beach. They love to sit at the pool, but they don't, I don't know if I've ever seen my mom in the pool. They are deathly afraid of water. Well, my nephews, who are five and seven, are absolutely in no way zero afraid of water. So one, uh, one afternoon, uh, my mom and dad are like, hey, we're going to go on down to the pool. I had some things I wanted to finish up. And so my nephews are like, well, we're going to go with, with Mama and Papa down to the pool, right? So they get down there, and this pool is magnificent. It has like this major, like... Um, lazy river that comes around and there's these islands in the midst and there's all these cool things for kids to do and so my nephews just run straight forward and my mom and dad kind of grab them and go no 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 no! you can't get in the big pool they're like why not they're like you gotta wait on uncle jason and they're like why and so you know trying to explain why you can't get in this tropical paradise that that they see in front of them is just beyond the ability to do for a five and seven year old right and so what happens they go into straight meltdown mode and so the best that my mom and dad have to offer them is there was like this little uh nine by nine square kitty like wading pool right they're like well but you can get in this one and they're looking at this little square there's nothing fancy about it it's like you know a foot deep and they're going no. Like, why would I get it? And so that was the compromise. And they were like, well, I'm telling you, you can't get in the big pool until Jason gets down here. You've got to wait. And so they begrudgingly stick their legs in and they're like, this sucks. So they're just standing there. So meanwhile, I come down and I see my nephews not even playing. They're just standing in this pool and you can tell that they're standing in protest, right? And so I was like, all right, guys, you ready? And so they come running. They're like, can't we now? And so my mom was like, yeah, 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 you can go. And so Jacob, who's the older one, kind of crawls on my back, and we go into this pool. And here's, here's the point of the story. We, we kind of start going down parts of the lazy river, and we get to this backside, and there's this big waterfall 
and you can get under the waterfall. And Jacob was like, Jason, we didn't even see this when we came down. Can we go under the waterfall? And so I was like, yeah, we can go under the waterfall, buddy. So we, we go around, and we let this water come down, and it was like this bucket that would occasionally dump. You know, you've seen those kinds of things. And he goes, I'm glad that you're here because this was even better than it looked before. And so we got out of the pool, and he runs up to, to my mom, and he says, Grandma, there's a, there's a big waterfall on the backside. We didn't even see it. And, and she says, sometimes things are worth the wait. And there are going to be moments that we have to wait. And we've got to trust that something good is going to come from that. Waiting, though, is not something we do well. And I'm convinced that what, what makes waiting for us so difficult is that we live in a world of instant everything. See, we will, even today, we will move on quickly. We will get whatever it is that we want, and we will move as quickly on from it as quickly as we move to it. We will scroll to the next post. We will go to the next social media platform. We will, uh, we will go on to the next story, the next experience. You know, I mean, as bad as, as, as the hurricane was, you know what? Let's be honest. Two weeks from now, we will have moved on, and there'll be something else. We don't wait on anything. We wait. We go to the next experience. We get to the next gadget and with all of this, waiting still seems to be waiting on us even after we get done waiting for whatever it is that we were waiting on. It's constant and it's regular. This week, you will wait. You will wait in traffic. You will wait at the doctor's office. You will wait on someone who's running late for lunch and it will aggravate you that you have to wait. You will wait on payday. Some of you have already started waiting on Christmas. Guys, I was in, um, I got a haircut this week. This is on October 9th, people. So I walk into my stylist's uh, uh, little shop. She has Christmas music playing. I'm like, is that Christmas music coming from Alexa? She says, yeah, I couldn't wait. And I'm going, are you going to play this from now till Christmas? And she goes, no, but I couldn't wait to go ahead and start playing it. And I was like, okay, but we wait, we wait, we wait to graduate. We wait on promotions. We wait on tests. We wait on the perfect spouse. We're waiting on something. And then there's moments where waiting is not pleasant, is it? Waiting is painful. Waiting is always inconvenient, and it causes us to feel overwhelmed. We just don't wait well. So now you understand why this morning I wanted us to just stop and breathe. I wanted us to wait for a second. And I want us to continue to work through some things this morning that will hopefully make us better waiters. What if I told you that there are times we will not only need to wait, but we'll actually benefit from waiting? What if we didn't get so caught up in trying to get to the destination that we missed the journey and part of that journey is waiting? What if I told you that if we were willing to wait, we would learn to do it better and benefit from it? What if we didn't always rush to the wait? What if we didn't always take things into our own hands and try to seize control of the moments where God is saying, listen, I have designed this moment for you to wait, and you're rushing it. You don't have to be in control. Just take your hands off the steering wheel and wait. What if I told you that it would curve you tiring out and curve you burning out? What if it, it, it would benefit us? I wonder if it would keep us from making bigger messes 
of our lives. I wonder if it would allow us to step into experiencing new things, but also experiencing full potential. What if it would more regularly mean that I would experience all, and that's key, all that God has for us in the moment, all because we learn to wait. See, I believe those things are real possibilities. I believe that those are things that God designed for us to experience and to have. Because in waiting, there's an exchange. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In Isaiah chapter 40, if you don't know anything about Isaiah, Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet who spent a lot of time waiting. And that was all not because he didn't have somewhere to go and a message to deliver and somewhere. It was because God had designed these pockets for him to wait. And so in Isaiah chapter 40, he shows for us the exchange that happens. And in doing so, he displays for us the importance of waiting. Look at verse 29. He said he, he gives strength to the weary. You see that? There's an exchange. I'm weary. He gives me strength. There's an exchange of something there. And then he goes on. He says he increases the power of the weak. There's an exchange that happens there. I'm weak and I get power. I need power, but I'm weak, and so there's an exchange that happens there. He says even youths, even young people grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who wait on the Lord. He says, see there, there's going to be an exchange coming. You're tired, you're weary, you're in a moment of waiting, and waiting has worn you out because you've tried to rush the waiting. You've tried to seize control of the waiting, and so by doing so, you are tired. Even the youngest, even the best of us are going to get tired when we rush the wait. He says, but those who learn to wait, those who hope in, some versions may say, those who learn to wait well, there's an exchange, and look at the exchange. He will renew their strength. He takes that that, that which we experience when we try to seize the moment. We are tired, we are burnt out, we are frazzled. He says, no, no, let me, if you'll learn to wait, if you'll learn to hope in and wait in the Lord, he says, there'll be an exchange. He says, you'll renew your strength. And they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And they will walk and not faint. See, what you see there is there is an exchange. And here's what he does. In the moments that we don't wait well, we get weak, we get tired, we get frazzled we get worried and he says if you'll learn to wait he says I will exchange those things for power and strength see there's an exchanging that happens but part of the exchanging process is this it's giving over it's letting go it's fighting the tendency to snatch up control because I believe if I can gain some control then I don't have to wait if I can somehow seize the the grip on something I can then steer it where I need to go, and I don't ever have to wait because waiting is inconvenient. Waiting is painful. Waiting is not fun. Waiting is a waste of time. And so if I can somehow snatch up the control on this, if I can take matters into my own hands, I won't have to wait. And God says, no, but you need to wait. Because if you don't, you're going to walk and faint. You're going to run, and you're going to get weary. He says, why don't you learn to wait? See, Paul finds himself in a similar situation. Flip over to first or 2 Corinthians chapter 12. See, Paul doesn't only find himself waiting. He finds himself waiting in the midst of pain. 
We don't know what the pain is. It's described as a thorn in his side that won't go away. He wants it to go away, but he's waiting for it to go away. It just doesn't seem to be going away. So he finds himself in this moment of distress, discomfort. But listen to what he echoes. He echoes a very similar reaction to that of Isaiah. He, he shows us that, again, in these moments, regardless of what can happen and what I think can happen and what I would like for to happen and what I think I can control happening, what he's learned is that I can't control it, but I can exchange it. And look what he says, starting in verse 8. He says, three times, this is Paul speaking, three times, I pleaded to the Lord to take it away from me. He says, I, God, I am waiting. I am waiting. But I'm tired of waiting. But I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul's learning this. He's learning that in this waiting, in this discomfort, there actually is an exchange. There's something that happens. And then Paul goes, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. Now, hold up. This is a guy that's in discomfort. This is a guy that's in pain. He says, no, 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 because I've learned in the waiting process, as discomforting as it can be, there's an exchanging. And so look what happens. He says, therefore, I'm going to boast about it so that Christ's power can rest on me. He says, I don't like it. I don't want to be in it. It's really inconvenient. It's really not fun, but I'm going to rest in it because I know that in it there'll be an exchange. And so in those weak moments that there will be a power that comes and rests on me, and he says, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight now. Now, that's funny. We delight. He says, I'm going to delight in my weaknesses, in insults and hardships and in difficulties. And here we see the exchange. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And guys, there's something about waiting. There's something that happens in the process of waiting if we go into it with the right mentality, if we go into it knowing how to effectively and patiently wait. There's something that can be exchanged. I don't know about you, but there are moments that I, I go, God, I don't know how, how much longer I can wait. And I really don't understand why I wait. And I've got to kind of pull myself to a place where I go, but I will trust you. Because I read, whether it's in Isaiah, or I read through the story of Paul, and I read time and time again that you constantly, regularly, in my moments of waiting, exchange my weaknesses for your strengths. So all I've got to do is wait well. So here's how I want to kind of close this. Here's what it comes down to, and here's what makes us anxious, right? It's this. What am I supposed to do while I'm waiting? What am I supposed to be doing? I'm okay with the, the concept of something better might come from it. I'm okay and I, I can kind of grasp that I might need to benefit from or there's something happening. But what am I supposed to be doing? Because there are seasons that waiting is long. There are, there are, there are times I don't understand. I, I find it hard to even know what that means. And practically, what am I supposed to do in these moments? So let me give you a couple quick things as we go out the door and we close this series. Because again, I believe that this will affect your jumping. I want to give you a couple things if you find yourself in the waiting pool. Number one, remember what God has done for you in the past. If you are in a season of waiting, whether that's a, an okay season or whether that's a painful season, I want you to remember what God has done, with, done for you in the past. A couple weeks ago, for those that were here, I shared 
about a decade of my life where it was all waiting. I shared with you that there was this season that I didn't think was ever going to end, and I found myself waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And while it wasn't easy, and while there were some significant amounts of pain and distress and all of that, when I look back, I find value in that moment of waiting. And here's why. Because as my life has unfolded, I see that God's hand, and it's only when I can look back, I see that God's hand was in every single step. I look back at every twist and every turn, and I look at where he led me, and I see that even in every twist and turn, God's hand was there. His plans and his timing was better than mine every single time. Every single time that I wanted to grab tighter and take hold of the steering wheel. Every time I wanted to seize control, and I didn't, and I learned to wait, what I see was that every single time, His timing, his plan was better. I see that every time when I look back, that in spite of me, he was working for me. In my impatience, he was still working. In my immaturity, he was still working. In my desire to control, he was still working. In bad decisions, he was still working. And behind the scenes, when I was worried about things that didn't matter, he was working for the good of things that really matter. And I guess what I'm saying is this, is that if your life may not look like you hope for, but that doesn't mean God isn't still at work. And so if you find yourself in this moment of waiting, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look back. I want you to remember back because there are going to be some things that were yeses and there are going to be things where God made it clear that he was working for you. And so remember back because in those moments you'll say, listen, I may be in a place where it wasn't what I hoped for. But God's still working for me. And looking back in the past and what God did in some other tough times and some other waiting moments will remind me of that. And here's where I want you to get with this. When you remember what God has done, you will trust what God is doing. And I will trust my past experiences with God. And that trust will begin to curve my worry. It will begin to curve my anxiety. And I don't know about you, but that's the direction I want to begin to move during my times of waiting. I want to move into the present toward more trust. I want to move toward more knowing God and what he has done in the past. The second is this, and I can't stress this enough, guys. In this moment of waiting, deepen your prayer life. Deepen your prayer life. If you're like me, I tend to overanalyze my future. And I'm trying to stop doing that, and I'm going to spend more time overanalyzing what I think I can control, and I'm going to spend more time calling on God. I'm going to deepen my prayer life, calling on God to impact my future. Here's what I'm learning to realize more and more the older I get, is that, guys, God is so big. I think we just scratched the surface of the bigness, the largeness, the, 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 the potential of what God can do in our lives. God is so big. And so in that, if I begin to realize that God is so big, Why wouldn't I use these moments to deepen my prayer life so that I can learn to connect with him more and more? I begin to communicate with him. I begin to spend time with him. And let's be honest, what better time to do that when when we're waiting? And here's the beauty of this. If we do this, if we will seek to deepen our prayer lives in these moments of waiting, there's something beautiful that comes from it. Because no matter what the outcome of what I'm waiting for, 
I will have deepened my relationship with God. If it turns out great, then man, my relationship is next level with God. But if it turns out bad, if it turns out worse, if it turns out drastically different than what I thought, then guess what I've done? I've deepened my relationship with God. I have somehow honed in on my intimacy and closeness with God in the process. And let's be honest, that's always a win. It's always a win. So remember his faithfulness. Deepen your prayer life. And here's a big one. While you wait, you may need to deal with some of your baggage. There may be something in your life that needs to be dealt with. See, the waiting period where you're not free-falling and jumping, it's not the moment where a door has been closed. There's a moment where you feel anxious. You feel like, man, I don't know how much longer I can stay in this season. I'm in this waiting season. That waiting season can be a great time for you to heal and to grow. Again, as I look back and kind of prepared for this series, I have seen clear moments where God needed me to wait so that God could work out some sin in my life. Where God could reshape my habits. Where he could refine my heart. Where he could make room for his spirit to rule and reign and direct my life. Simply puts this, he, 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 he made me, he allowed me to sit in these moments because he knew there were some things I needed to deal with. Some baggage so as you're deepening your prayer life, let me just add a deep, bold prayer for you. Pray this. God, in this season of waiting, reveal to me the areas of my life that need work. And then don't be afraid of what he reveals. Because my guess is that every single one of us in these moments of waiting, there's some baggage that we wait with. And let's just begin to ask God, God, boldly, will you reveal to me these moments that I need work? Will you prepare me? Will you give me the courage to deal with these? Because life's too short to drag this stuff around. So let's deal with it. Now, I want you to notice I'm not telling you to get over it. I'm telling you to deal with it. And that's what we'll do together. We'll deal with these things, and God will come through, and he will give us the strength to do so. Two more. In this season of waiting, practically, as you go, man, what am I supposed to be doing? Do this. Dream bigger. I think if God's people are guilty of anything, it's small thinking that leads to small dreaming, that leads to honestly a very small view of God. And I'm so grateful that God in some way has given, you know, me the ability to dream big and not afraid of failing in the big dreams. You know, I have people that ask all the time, just because that's what we do, they ask, they said, you know, I'm like, man, what's kind of your goal for Wellhouse? What, you know, 300? And I'm going, no, 3,000. They're like, but there's only like 11,000 people in all of Goodlettsville. And I go, I know, I serve a big God. I mean, I can get 300 people together for about anything, right? I want something that only can happen when God gets involved. I remember Perry Noble got laughed at years ago. That he, were, he was in this little town in South Carolina, and he said, I'm going to build a church of 100,000 people, and people laughed. Two years ago, they had 68,000 people on Easter Sunday, and he goes, okay. See, that's a God-sized dream. And so we dream big, and I don't know what it is that you in this moment need to dream about. So as you are deepening your prayer life, as you're dealing with some things, I want you to come out of dealing with those things, and I want you to dream bigger. See, the key of dreaming bigger is this, is I have to realize that I don't believe I can do it. I believe God can do it. 
So in this moment, I want you to begin to dream about some things, dream about life, dream about relationships. And, and I want you to dream in such a way where you go, there's zero ways I can make that happen. And then you're in the right place. See, I want to be a part of things that wouldn't have happened, couldn't have happened without God. And all these things, again, go back to trust. I trust that God can do everything I can't. And then finally, in these moments of waiting, I want to encourage you to just spend more time in worship. I think we tend to pray more during the rough times and worship more during the joyous times. But what if we did both during both? What if we prayed during the rough times and we prayed during the good times and we worshiped during the good times and we worshiped during the rough times? I want to, I need to, I have to. I have to get to a place where I realize that God is worthy of my praise no matter what is happening in my life. See, sometimes I think that we only praise God when he's done something good in our lives. What if we again begin to praise God no matter what's going on in our lives? What if I drag myself to this place of worship even when I don't have the energy? What if I begin to drag myself to this place of worship in these moments that are very difficult I believe, again, God will begin to exchange that. See, worship is transformational. Worship is not something we experience just to kind of throw something up, sing a few songs. No, worship is meant to transition. It's meant to transform. It's meant to exchange things. And this starts to happen when I realize, you know what? Life is not always about winning. It's not about winning at marriage. It's not about winning at the job or winning into retirement. And, and what happens when I confuse that life is only about winning, I constantly pursue and wait on the next win. I pursue victory. See, life is about realizing this, that in every single moment of our lives, good and bad, even in the moments where the world's going to say, that's a loss, it is a clear-cut loss, it's about realizing that I serve a God who's already won. So that's what gives me then the ability to worship during the good things, the bad things. It's what allows me to go, listen, I don't know what's going to happen with this. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here. I don't know the outcome of this, but he is already victorious. See, John says it. He says, for everyone who is born of God, everyone who gives their life, gives over to God, overcomes the world. He says, that is the victory that has overcome the world. And so because of that, I'm going to worship more. I'm going to worship more. Right now, through the pain, I'm going to worship. Through the struggle, I'm going to worship. Through the hurt, I'm going to worship. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that you may have peace in the world. You will have trouble. You'll have moments of waiting. But he says, take refuge. Take heart. I have overcome the world. So through the brokenness, I'm going to worship. Through the discomfort, I'm going to worship. Through the fight, I'm going to worship. Through loneliness, I'm going to worship. Through the chaos, I'm going to worship. Paul says, even through death, I'm going to worship. He says, oh, death, where's your sting? Where's your victory? He says, thanks be to God, even in the face of those things, he gives us victory. So through the weight, I'm going to worship. And so I'm going to remember that he has already won this. And it really doesn't matter at the end of the day how I can take hold of something and try to shape it, that he has already shaped it, that he has already taken it. And it's through the cross that we find those. And I want to be found in moments of waiting, completely immersed in moments of worship. So I don't know what you're waiting on, but I know you're waiting on something. 
And I just want to encourage you that in that moment, whatever you're waiting for, whatever you're waiting on, whatever you're hoping will happen, and praying like Paul, man, I have prayed three times, God. I prayed 303 times. I just want to encourage you that whether he does it or not, that life is about living into a trust that God is in control and that I can find rest in the moments where I wait on the next jump. Father, I just want to one last time, I just want to breathe. As we find ourselves ankle deep in the waiting pool, God, can we just learn to wait effectively on you? And, and God, as we talked about this morning, and pray and I trust that you will exchange things in the process. You will exchange my worry, that you will exchange my anxiety, you will exchange my weakness for your strength, that you will exchange my frazzled, burnt out, tired. God, you will exchange that for power. God, if you did it for Isaiah, if you did it for Paul, God, if I just take a stroll down memory lane and see where you've done it in my life, and then, God, I reinforce that by deepening my relationship with you, deepening my prayer life, doing that through worship, God, through dreaming larger and dealing with some of my stuff, God. God, I trust that you will do it again. You will do it again. God, I can't wait for the next jump, but I will. I will. I will wait on you. I will hope on you. God, I will put every bit of my trust in you. And when you give me the green light to come out of my season of waiting, I will courageously, boldly, with everything that is within me, with all the trust I can muster, God, I will cliff dive off into the next arena, next adventure, next ministry that you want me to jump into. And Father, thank you for the ability to not just experience the accelerated moments of jump, God, experience the stillness and the calmness and the moments before the jump where you are working in my life as much in those moments as you are in the moments that I'm out on the water. God, may we begin to wait well. I pray this through your son's name. Amen. <laughs>